Now, if you have a Bible with you, could you turn with me, please, to the Epistle to the Romans and chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and commencing at verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Now there we will end our reading with God's blessing upon the reading of his own precious words. It is verse 6 in particular of Romans chapter 5 that I want to draw your attention to this afternoon. When we, that is the whole human race, when we as individuals were without strength in due time, at God's appointed time, Christ died for the ungodly. In this text of Scripture, we find brought before us the weak sinner without strength. We find brought before us also the wounded Savior. Christ died for the ungodly. But we find also that there's a waiting sovereign. It was in due time. It was at God's time. Christ died for the ungodly. And that event calls for a response from every individual. There's a waiting sovereign. I wonder what your response will be. What it is to the fact that Christ died for the ungodly. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. The weak sinner, the weight of the teaching of the religions of this world is that man can do and that, that man must do something to merit favor and be right with God. But the Bible says that we are without strength. The Bible refutes that absolutely and entirely. We are without strength, just per weak sinners. And all 40 writers of the inspired book of the Bible are united as far as this fact is concerned, that you and I are but weak 
sinners. The record from God on high is we are without strength. There's nothing you can do to merit a place in heaven. There's nothing you can do to have forgiveness of sins. Nothing. You and I stand in weakness before God. And when the time of your departure has come, not one of us has the strength to extend by one moment or span of life. And they be, indeed the Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 8 that there is no man that hath power over the Spirit to maintain the Spirit. Neither hath he power in the day of death. No strength, weak and helpless before God. The Bible tells us that we must needs die and are as water spilt on the ground. Oh, that you might learn today that we're just passing through this life, that you might learn that we're leaving, that we're not coming back. We're going to a world from which we'll never return. We're everyone headed for eternity. Never again to retrace the steps of a wrong choice. Hence the importance of making the right choice here in time. Here indeed at this very moment. Making the right choice. Heaven or hell for eternity. Which will it be? Oh, I trust that everyone might earnestly seek the salvation of their soul and know of assurance it will be heaven when we depart this life. Another word that you find in our text, not only is the sinner described as weak and without strength in all utter helplessness, but the sinner is described as ungodly. Ungodly, without God, opposed to all that God is in himself and all that God represents. Godless ungodly. There's no more serious, no more solemn, and more terrible adjective to describe any person than the word ungodly. Without God, diametrically opposed to God and his person, living as if there were no gods, just and unworthy, and corrupt sinner on the way to hell. What a picture is painted of the sinner here in Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. Weak and ungodly. But you know the glorious news of the gospel is that Christ came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The good news that we can sound forth without the slightest reservation to every hearer 
In the town of Ballyclare this afternoon is this, that Christ died for the ungodly. We can look you in the eye, each one, and say with certainty, Christ died for you. Christ died for you, a guilty sinner, and there's salvation available for you. I wonder, have you ever thought about your sin and its consequences? You know, sin has a tremendous power. The first time you may yield to a particular sin, there's no knowing where it will end. There's no knowing where it will lead. There's a power to sin that in your weakness you can't overcome. You may view it as attractive. You may view it as something pleasurable and enjoyable. But it will damn your soul. It will cost you more than you want to pay. It's a costly business sin. You need salvation. And I would say to you, in the words of the hymn writer, O ye who now salvation spurn, never to come back any more. O dreadful thoughts in hell to burn, never to come back any more. But salvation from going down to hell is available. And it depends on this and this alone. Christ died for the ungodly. When we think of the death of Christ, our thoughts are turned to the cross of Christ. Oh, I'm not thinking in terms of that crude cross beam and that vertical cross that was placed in the ground. But rather, when we think of the cross of Christ, our thoughts are drawn to the person involved. They're drawn to the place appointed, Calvary, where they crucified him. And our thoughts are drawn to the purpose intended by God. The salvation of lost sinners. That brings me to my second thought. We have considered the weakness of the sinner. But I want to think of the wounded Savior. The wounded Savior. Oh, the wondrous love that caused the Lord Jesus Christ to open his heart to a ruined race. The only one basis and way whereby you could be saved from sin and from its consequences is through Christ and him alone and the work that he has done. It is indeed the greatest fact under heaven that Christ and his work is the basis upon which God can justify the sinner, justify the ungodly, raise the ruined wrecks of sin beyond created thoughts. The wounded Savior God can justify the ungodly because Christ has died. 
because he has been wounded upon the tree. Christ, by his precious blood, by the shedding of it, has dealt with sin, has put away sin, and has laid the righteous basis whereby God can move towards sinners, the most unworthy. He can save them. More, he can receive them to himself. So wonder to my soul that God receives to himself the most unworthy. It's a wonder to my soul that God declares those who are unjust, just. It's a wonder to my soul that God in Christ can favor those who deserve no favor. What a Savior! What a salvation! And it's available to you. Christ died for the ungodly. You know what God does? He does perfectly. He does completely. And he does eternally. You can be sure that the soul that rests on Christ can know that change, that transformation in a moment of time from being in sin to being in Christ and assured of eternal salvation and heaven as eternal home. How is all this brought about? How can such grace be? How can such favor be bestowed on weak and ungodly sinners? Because Christ died for the ungodly. God's Son, God's chosen one, the one who partook of our flesh and blood, took upon himself perfect manhood, spotless and holy. He came to save sinners. And he took that greatest of all steps to save a sinner like you and a sinner like me. His purpose, and it was with full knowledge thereof, that he moved in this world towards the place of suffering, towards Calvary. He told his disciples how the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected and slain and raised the third day. Christ died for the ungodly. O man inflicted much upon him. They rejected him. They despised God's Son. But far more than what all humanity combined could inflict upon God's Son, he bore the judgment of God on Calvary. He suffered the just for us, the unjust, that he might bring us to God. How can God be just to the full, neither remitting the penalty nor blunting the sword of justice? Yet be so merciful, 
infinitely merciful because the Son of God, supremely glorious in his infinite person, undertook to bear the sentence at Calvary that was due to you and I. He suffered once for sin, the just one, for us the unjust, that he might bring us to God. You know, the greatest sight you'll ever see is a look to Calvary. A lady by the name of Catherine Kelly, she penned these words, Give me a sight, O Savior, of thy wondrous love to me, of the love that brought thee down to earth to die on Calvary. Oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in, what it meant to thee, the Holy One, to bear away my sin. What a sight, the sight of Calvary. You know, we read in the Word of God that Moses said, Who knoweth the power of thine anger? That is God's anger. You want to see the anger of God displayed. I'll take you to Calvary. To think that God dealt with his son as he must deal with sin itself. That's the anger of God outpoured, his wrath outpoured upon sin. God will spare the sinner because he did not spare his own son. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. What boundless love, what grace, what infinite mercy. So let me pour into your ears again the fact of the wounded Savior the fact that Christ died for the ungodly. Weak sinners for whom the wounded Savior has died. You say, how can I, the sinner, be justified? How can that vital link be made with Christ? How can he become my Savior? How can I come into the good of salvation. Well, soul, today, the message is simple, it's plain. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. It's faith in Christ that will save you. Most will be familiar with John Bunyan, probably most famous for his work, The Pilgrim's Progress. But as a young man, Bunyan was converted to Christ. Just one afternoon, playing with the other boys in the village green, 
He was arrested as to his needs of salvation. Came to an understanding of his guilt as a sinner. And he records it very simply like this. He said to himself, Wilt thou have thy sins and go to hell? Or wilt thou quit thy sins and go to heaven? Wilt thou have thy sins and go to hell? Or wilt thou quit thy sins and go to heaven? The choice is Christ or your sin. The choice is salvation or worldly pleasure. The choice is heaven or hell for eternity. Which will it be? What will your choice be this afternoon, sinner? Will you have Christ? Will you have salvation? And therefore, make choice of heaven at the end of the journey. The Bible tells us, for by grace are you saved by faith. It's faith that lays hold upon Christ. You know, faith must have an object. Don't make a savior out of your faith. Don't think of faith as independent of the source of salvation. No, Christ is a saving power. Faith, though feeble, can lay hold upon him. You know, a trembling hand can reach forth and receive a golden gift. The trembling hand of the sinner can reach forth and receive the greatest of all gifts, the gift of God's salvation. It's faith that forms a link between the sinner and the Savior, between the sinner and Christ. Faith is believing that Christ is all that he is said to be. Faith is believing that Christ will do what he has promised to do and to lean with all your weight upon him. That's faith. Trusting him and him alone for the salvation of your soul. You know, faith is not some sort of dreamy kind of concept. Faith stakes its destiny upon the truth of divine revelation, upon all that the Word of God tells us of Christ and his work. That's faith. And we tell you again, faith in Christ will save you. Trust Christ this afternoon and be saved in a moment of time for a long eternity. The weakness of the sinner, the wounded Savior. What about the waiting sovereign? You know, the death of Christ and the work of Christ, 
There's a purpose intended by God. God intends that the death of that unique person, his son, should be valued by you. In due time, Christ died for the ungodly. At God's appointed time. And so the waiting sovereign has moved. And he waits for you to respond and receive his son. You know, time is running out. The Bible tells us that the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Life is but a fleeting, short experience. Soon it will be gone. Soon the days, the years of life, whatever they may be, they'll have passed you by. The sovereign still waits for you to take him at his words and take his son as your savior. The purpose intended by the death of Christ for the ungodly. You know, there's a responsibility that rests with every individual to take Christ as their own. Salvation won't be forced upon you. It's a matter of personal will. It's a matter of personal choice. And as I draw my remarks to a close this afternoon, I would say to you, above every else, every other consideration in life, and above everything else that you might be planning and purposing to do, set your goal on getting God's salvation. Christ is everything in time. And I tell you, he'll be everything when it comes to eternity. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. A weak sinner, a wounded Savior, and a waiting sovereign, shall we pray. Our Father, we bow at the close of our meeting in the precious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank thee for all that thou hast done in providing salvation at such infinite cost. We thank thee that Christ died for the ungodly. A perfect work, a completed work. Nothing need be added thereto. All that the sinner needs, thou hast provided fully in the person of Christ. We pray that there might be a sinner here that today that would feel their need that would understand that they are weak, that they are guilty and undeserving, and that they might turn to Christ and trust him to the salvation of their soul. We pray for thy blessing upon one and all. Part us, we pray, in thy fear. In the worthy name of thy Son, we ask all. Amen.